Hi everyone, and welcome to the, the on-demand part of this week's learning. So we've kind of almost concluded our, our, our trip through the history of public health um, into what is now th the new public health, which is still um, you know, the phase that we're in in today. So we've seen how there's, there's been a, a kind of um, a need for change. There's been a recognition um, that the, the social hygiene period was inadequate to explain uh, the health of populations and that um, there were new um, new variables to be considered in terms of the, the, the social environments in which people live their daily lives. So let's have a look at, um, at the new public health. And this is encapsulated really by this kind of revolutionary charter by the World Health Organization back in 1986. So um, just re really quickly, um, I guess, if you possibly you've heard of the World Health Organization, uh, but if you haven't, um, they um, are part of the United Nations and they were formed in 1948 after uh, the, the Second World War. And since then, they've, they really have uh, played an enormous part in, in, in setting, uh, you know, global health standards, they've been leaders, they've, they have a huge amount of um, uh, resources and they undertake research and um, as part of the UN, they have a, a really large uh, remit. The other useful uh, agency of the UN uh, is the Food and Agricultural Agency, the FAO, and, and we might be having a look at some of their stuff as well, but we'll concentrate on the WHO now. So I'll show you this quick video that um, gives you a, an idea of the scope that the WHO um, work covers uh, across the globe. Every day, throughout your life, whoever you are, wherever you live in the world, the World Health Organization is working to protect your most precious possession, your health. Promoting a healthy diet, regular exercise, and health checks to prevent diabetes, cancer, and heart disease. Monitoring how your children are growing, advising what they need to thrive, and what to do when they get sick. Recommending safe and effective vaccinations to keep the family healthy and healthy countries assure everyone receives the immunizations they need. Promoting access to safe, modern contraceptives and information on sexual health. Keeping your food safe to eat and water safe to drink. Increasing seatbelt and helmet use to save lives on the roads. Helping countries improve the quality of the air you breathe and tackle climate change. Promoting good mental health services and support, particularly for vulnerable people. Keeping you informed about health risks, how to protect yourself at home, at work, and while traveling. Understanding and planning for the specific needs of people at different ages and stages. Older people, adolescents, and people with disabilities. Fighting against deadly habits like tobacco use. Protecting people from malaria, HIV, tuberculosis, and other infectious diseases with quality diagnostic tests, medicines, and preventative tools like bed nets. Preventing infections in health facilities and tackling drug resistance to ensure that medicines will continue to work. Assuring quality care for mothers and their babies before, during, and after childbirth. Vaccinating newborns against diseases like hepatitis B, access to safe blood if needed, and support to ensure your baby thrives and grows through childhood and adolescence to be a happy and healthy adult. 
tracking health trends and helping countries to prepare for and respond rapidly to health emergencies. Sending in experts, medicines, equipment, and supplies when disaster strikes. Helping countries to provide quality health services designed around and for people. With skilled health workers, innovative, safe, and affordable medicines, vaccinations, and other medical products. Backed by the latest scientific recommendations in health information. While protecting people from catastrophic health bills. So no one has to choose between spending on health and other essentials like food and education. Every day, the World Health Organization is working with you to promote health, keep the world safe, and serve the vulnerable. So the WHO have a, a really broad remit. Um, uh, the social, economic, and political um, drivers of health weren't mentioned too much in, in that kind of short video, but they're also uh, global leaders in, in this area, which we will start to explore now and over the next couple of, of lectures. So um, the World Health Organization, a very important um, player, a key player, a global player in, in health. So in 1984, um, the WHO started to, to put together and make clear some of um, the key principles uh, for health promotion. So some of the things that they, they talked about is um, health promotion is, is more than just working or focusing on individuals and working with individuals. It's looking at the entire population in the context of their daily life, okay, where they, where they live their, their life. Okay. So this is moving the focus away from, from health care services into the, the conditions of daily life where people live. And from our, our, our lecture last week, you will have seen that the conditions of daily life have impacts on people's health. So this was very well recognized by the WHO and part of the key principles. So they talk about um, uh, action on the causes or the determinants of health. So they need this focus because um, as again, we've we've looked at in, in our lecture, there are many things that are, are outside of the control of the individual that impacts on their health. Okay. So looking at the causes of illnesses in uh, the wider environment, this is this is key. So so thirdly, um, they're talking about a diverse range of um, methods and approaches to improve health because in suggesting that um, there are causes or determinants of health in the environment, uh, this suggests that you know things are more complex than just um, individual behaviour change. So to address complex situations, we need to work um, with a range of, of measures. So you can see there's communication, education, uh, legislation. So you know governments putting in place like banning smoking in public places, that type of thing. Fiscal measures. So taxation. We talked a little bit about that, and changing organisations and helping communities to develop. So the last point here is also quite important um, <clears throat> because it's talking about um, public participation, and key to this is encouraging people to find their own ways of managing the health of their community. So this is speaking about empowering people to find solutions that work for them and their communities, 
rather than just telling people what to do, you know, us as experts telling people what to do. So this can be a bit of a, a difficult concept, this sort of empowering and the idea that people might have their own solutions to health problems, especially when it comes to determinants, the, the wider determinants of health. And we'll, we'll come back to this issue a number of times. But again, these uh, were recognised by the WHO as some of the, the key parts of, of health promotion. So two years later, um, the first um, global conference or international conference for health promotion um, took place. Uh, and, and this was really the, the kind of the pinnacle of expectations for a, a different way to look at health, um, to deal with health uh, of populations. So I show this short video uh, on the Ottawa Charter, um, which has a look back at that time in 1986. Over the days of the conference, participants from 50 countries shared their experience, talked, debated, exercised, learned about a wide variety of community-based initiatives and hammered out a charter which clarified key concepts, highlighted the conditions and resources required for health, and identified key actions and strategies needed to pursue health for all. The Ottawa Charter called for building healthy public policy, creating supportive environments, strengthening community action, developing personal skills, and reorienting health services. This, ladies and gentlemen, was the Ottawa Charter. Over the past 25 years, the Charter has had a profound effect on public health and the world. Described as a tipping point for global health development, the meeting in Ottawa set in motion a process that has catalyzed the engagement and development of new settings for health in cities, schools, prisons, hospitals, villages, islands and regions, and new health promotion organizations and publications around the world. It has stimulated research and advocacy action that has enhanced public health's evidence base, reach and political influence. Since Ottawa, WHO and national governments have organized a series of conferences that have addressed and adapted each of Ottawa's five action areas to changing global, regional and national contexts, challenges and opportunities. Since Ottawa, there have been major and diverse shifts in thinking, policy and action for better health in Europe and beyond at all levels. But a clear thread can be detected which leads us back to this meeting of free thinkers from 50 countries which developed and affirmed a series of principles and action which have framed the value systems and practice of health promotion. As we now facilitate a process with partners to craft a new common European health policy, Health 2020, we draw on this legacy and the collective experience and wisdom of our extended public health community and once again set out to reframe the way people look at health and well-being, 
to agree on evidence-informed actions that foster whole-of-government and whole-of-society approaches to health, to ensure that all people are enabled and supported in achieving their full health potential and well-being, and that all countries individually and collectively reduce inequalities in health within the region and beyond. So let us celebrate our history and move forward with pride, confidence and courage to making healthier choices easier and creating a healthier Europe and a healthier globe. This is our time. So that was a, a nice little video just capturing uh, the moment back in 1986. Um, and it did highlight quite well how... Um, revolutionary the sort of charter was and how it still um, is relevant today all the principles um, the strategies um, and the, the, the actions from that that charter are still the gold standard today I mean 1986 was an awfully long time ago um, but this uh, this piece of work still stands the test of time it's still the gold standard um, and it, it's its themes still run through all of the more uh, modern um, health promotion conferences right up to the last one, which was in uh, 2016 in Shanghai. So um, so this this was a, um, a watershed moment. Uh, this was the this is, was the, the start of the new public health. Um, and some, we'll look at some important principles next from this charter. Um, there's a little task, an H5P task on Sol, if you want to click on that and see if you can um, drag the right words into the sentences to see if you can uh, guess what these uh, these principles are. So have a little go at that on, on Sol and we'll move on to the principles. So what are the key concepts, the key principles coming out of this charter? So one, and we, we talked about this uh, in, in the first lecture that, um, and, and this week as well. So, you know, health is uh, more than the absence of disease. Okay. There's a kind of positive um, concept here with health. Um, and we, we talked about right from the start that, you know, health is just more than physical health. It's physical, mental, social uh, health. Um, so it's, it's, broadening out this concept beyond just not being sick. So the second point, which we've uh, discussed as well, is that health is a resource for daily life. Um, it allows you to fulfill your potential. So uh, if you are if you're feeling good and functioning well in the kind of language of the, the five ways to well-being that we looked at, um, you will be better able to fulfill your potential, uh, deal with the ups and downs of life, be more resilient. Okay, so health is, health is a crucial resource for um, you fulfilling your potential at university and work and, and going forward. Okay, key principle. The other principles are that health is created and lived by the people from the settings of their everyday life where they grow, learn, work, play, and love. So this is the idea that was um, first suggested, published in the Lalonde report, that, that it's not just about healthcare services, not just about your kind of genetic inheritance, or even about your individual behavior. There's lots of 
um, elements that are outside your control that shape um, your behavior and your choices. N not um, once you go to the doctors or the hospital, it's too late then, but in the settings of your everyday life, um, across your life course, okay, where you're born, grow, live, work, and age. Okay, so this is a really, really important concept. And this will lead into what we call the social determinants of health, which is another very important concept. So health is not created in a hospital, in a doc doctor surgery. That's where you, you go when you become unwell or you need to be fixed. That's a kind of curative approach. We're talking about creating health. So this, this principle about um, creating health is important uh, and it, it, it highlights a concept or two concepts um, that are kind of at the opposite end of the spectrum but try and both come towards the same um, aim of, of making people more healthy. So the phrase is health is created and lived by people from the settings of their everyday life. The principle is not health risks are avoided by people within the settings of their everyday life. There's a difference, okay? So identifying risks, health risks, and avoiding them or managing them is what we, we, we call um, a pathogenic approach. So it's quite a medical approach, okay? Um, but this is different. It's on one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum is what we call salutogenesis. And this is about creating health. This is about not thinking about what makes us sick and avoiding it, but what makes us well. So going back to the, the five ways to well-being as an example, it's about identifying the assets for health in kind of individuals, communities, um, societies, the places that we live our daily life that um, create health. Okay, so social connections, um, community life, um, things that make us feel good and function well, rather than just things that help us to avoid health risks. Okay, but we're going to come back to this when we look at theory. Okay, so it's more about build, capacity building for health, strengthening resources for health, rather than just avoiding the things that make us unwell. Okay, so important difference, and we'll come to that. So these are the important principles that were raised by the Ottawa Charter. And these principles will, if you are continuing through the three years with me, these are the principles uh, that will underpin all of our all of our work really together. So the final uh, principle is the definition of, of health promotion. What is it? Okay. And they say it's the process of enabling people to increase control over and to improve their health. And when they say increase control over, they often mean um, increase control over the wider determinants of health so that they can improve their health. So it's not just um, focusing on individuals to change their own behavior, it's it's enabling people to have to have control, more control over the things that in the wider environment that influence their health. Okay, so those are the important principles of the uh, Ottawa Charter. Now, the other uh, important parts um, they highlighted three strategies that we as professionals should aim uh, to use in our work and five action areas to kind of structure our work. So um, the three strategies that start with them are advocate, enable and mediate. Okay, uh, so advocate, so 
the idea behind advocate, if you want the definition, is to publicly support or suggest an idea, development or way of doing something. So we've got to um, always advocate for health. So in our in our work, so no matter what type of work you're doing, you have to um, try and make uh, conditions uh, more favourable uh, for people to, to be healthy. So the second strategy for us is to enable health. Okay. If we look at the definition of the word enable, it means to give someone the authority or means to do something to make it possible. So what we're trying to do here is to uh, enable people um, to become more healthy, but not just to improve um, individual health and health populations, but it's to try and enable um, what we call health equity, and we'll come to this a little bit later on in, in the in the lectures. But to pr promote fairness, fairness or equity in health, so that we uh, try and enable all people to have um, as equally good health as we can possibly um, achieve. So we want to uh, enable all people to achieve their full health potential. So the third strategy uh, that we might find ourselves doing as professionals is to mediate. So mediate means to intervene in a dispute and to bring about agreement. So how can we do this? Well, um, we, we have talked about in the, in the first lecture that you know there can be conflicts but in, in, in public health action to you know, improve the health of the populations and perhaps, for example, in business operations that might be looking to, to make profit, but in making profit, they're actually damaging health. So we might find ourselves mediating um, between the, the, the need to protect and improve the health of populations and, and, and the need of perhaps, you know, um, corporations to increase their profit. Okay, so that would be to mediate. So as professionals, we are looking to uh, in our daily work to advocate, enable and mediate. So there's five action areas and this, these, this is quite key um, and, and all this, this information will be useful for your assignments. So the five action areas are to build healthy public policy. Okay, so that's talking about the stuff that perhaps governments would do or perhaps that the head of organisations who have perhaps uh, authority over an organisation to do is to build policy that uh, enables health. The second one, and often some of these, you know, they can bleed into each other. So to create supportive environments for health, to make the healthier choice, the easier choice. Okay, so it's not, if we want to be healthy in our environment, it's not difficult to do. It's the default choice, it's the standard choice, it's the easy choice, okay rather than the one that's the most difficult or the one that's most expensive. And to do that, we often need, you know, to build healthy public policy. So um, we also need to strengthen community action because um, we have seen that, yes, individuals are important, but communities will also come to see that communities are very, very important. And we need to empower communities to take control over the factors that influence their health. Uh, we need to develop personal skills, and this one is probably the one that you're most um, comfortable with and familiar with, you know, working with people on a one-to-one -one basis to improve their skills. And the fifth one is to reorient health services, and often people say, well, what does that mean? And it, it means to um, try to um, shift the focus of health services from, from curative 
okay, some curing and fixing to prevention. Okay, so we want to see more resources put into prevent prevention. So preventing people becoming ill over the course of their life in the first place, so that less people uh, need um, you know, treat you know, long-term treatment for chronic conditions. That's, those are the five action areas. And you might find that in your in your work over your career, you you might start with you know number four. So you might say, well, I've got quite good control over helping people develop their personal skills. Then you might work with communities. Then you might get, go into um, your positions of authority where you can start changing environments or building healthy public policy. But even if you don't, you still need to understand um, interventions that only work on one level will not be effective. Okay, that we need to work over. A uh, number of levels, and this is a kind of a tool for analysis. If an intervention comes, uh, if you're looking at an intervention, you can say, "Well, okay, this this intervention only works at one level. It needs to work at other levels." Okay. So it's it's a good way to try and um, analyze um, health promotion interventions, as well as giving you um, a framework to try and work with. Okay, so moving on. So if we tr I try to give you a practical example um, of, the, of those five action areas, um, if we think about tobacco control, so um, the UK have been particularly successful with tobacco control because we have um, acted over these, these five areas and we've, we've undertaken quite strong interventions. Um, so building healthy public policy, what, what would that be? Well, the WHO have put together a global health treaty on tobacco control. You know, countries sign up to kind of the agreed minimum they will do to try and uh, control um, tobacco usage. Uh, the government, the UK government in, in the past had a, a very strong, uh, still does have a very strong tobacco control policy. So this includes things like taxing tobacco at a very high rate, um, you know, banning advertising of, of tobacco or putting in um, legislation such as, you know, you, you've got a, uh, you, you can't smoke in public places. So, for example, um, you know, when I went to university a very long time ago, you know, I'd go out to nightclubs and I'd come back, I'd be stinking of smoke because everyone would be smoking, it'd be horrible. And I'd have to throw my clothes, you know, straight in the wash because they absolutely stank. You, you guys don't you, you don't put up with that. Um, and the, the um, lung cancer rate for people who worked in the hospitality industry went down because they weren't breathing in other people's smoke all the time. Um, and also, you know, I remember that the you know, cigarettes company, cigarette companies used to um, advertise very heavily in you know, Formula One and all these things. And that's all now banned. If you want to buy cigarettes, you know, they're behind um, in shops, they're behind a shuttered kind of um, cupboard, so you know kids can't see it. So there's all sorts of very, very strong um, public policy measures, which also kind of help to create a supportive environment. So, as I said, you know, smoking in, in workplaces and public places is banned. It's illegal to sell uh, cigarettes to you know people under 18. There's no vending machine sales now because obviously, if you're a kid, you wouldn't go into a shop. You just go into a vending machine and buy it. Again, ban on advertising. So these are um, public policy and, and supportive environments. So how do we strengthen community action? Well, we help to mobilise and support the anti-smoking groups. You know, um, groups that go into schools and you know teach children about you know smoking and and you know, work with um, you know uh, 
commu communities working with with kids and young people so there's all sorts of ways that we can um, help uh, communities okay to prevent smoking and to develop personal skills you know uh, you might have heard of the the stop smoking services called quitters so you would you know put more money into into um, the one-to-one -one services you would train more people up as um, you know quitters advisors helping people to stop smoking in that kind of one-to-one -one way and also you would look to try and use the the best um, evidence-based behavior change methods to do that and of course you're going to be talking to Lee uh, Turner about all the kind of psychological stuff around behavior change and then to reorient health services what you do you would maybe train doctors and, and other people in in stop smoking skills and and put more money into the the, the you know the quitting services okay so that's a practical example of how you might um, apply the, the five action areas to smoking, for example. So, um, as mentioned, uh, the Ottawa Charter happened back in 1986, uh, and there has been, have been many um, onward uh, global uh, health promotion conferences. Uh, and all of these conferences, I'll let you, um, you know, read the kind of overview of these conferences, what they were talking about. But they were all um, strengthening parts of the Ottawa Charter. Um, it wasn't like the, the Ottawa Charter faded into, in, uh, into insignificance. All of these onward global conferences strengthened what the Ottawa Charter was saying right up um, to the 2016 Shanghai um, health promotion and sustainable development goal charter. So let's have a quick uh, look at this video, what they're talking about in 2016. Why is it so important for us to make healthy choices? Because by choosing a healthy option, our lives are more rewarding. Our society is stronger. Our economies more prosperous. And our development more sustainable. But first, people need to be aware of what the healthy options are, so they can make the healthy choice. Because an informed society knows what is needed to make communities healthier. Governments joined by civil society can provide people with the advice of a healthy option. Making more of the power offered by 21st century information and communication technology. People also require help to access the healthy options. This means governments across all sectors must offer ways for people to be healthy. From making healthy food available to eat, to ensuring the cities and towns in which we live are clean, safe, and healthy. Sometimes this means passing laws to protect people from harmful practices like smoke-free public places and reduced speed limits. It can also mean investing in infrastructure that makes it easier for people to lead mobile and healthy lives. This requires action from those who make our laws to those who make our lunches. To use this awareness and access and make the healthy choice, the only choice to take. At home, school and work. When people have awareness, access and can take action, 
the healthier options become a reality. The Shanghai Declaration on Health Promotion is a commitment made by leaders of the world to make this world a healthier place. A place where people have the knowledge and the power to choose nutritious food, to breathe clean air, drink clean water, adopt active lifestyles, and live long and healthy lives. A place where societies and economies develop sustainably. So even in that in that short video, we can we can um, identify lots of the the themes uh, and principles talked about from 1986. So you know, making laws, governments taking action, communities working together, uh, making the healthier choice the easier choice. You know, elements of society, the built environment, infrastructure, all these things um, are have not faded into irrelevance uh, in the sort of in the 35 odd years since the Ottawa Charter. They've become even more relevant. In the 2016 um, Shanghai Declaration, uh, which if you're you know, with me through all the three years, we will turn our attention to in the third year because um, they also um, have very strongly linked um, the health agenda with uh, you know, the environmental and sustainability agenda. So that'll be something that we'll turn our attention to in year three, because that I think um, is, is an excellent way to uh, strengthen um, the health agenda by linking it to the, um, the, the environmental uh, crisis. So um, I've also posted up in the resources um, this useful document from the WHO. It's aging a bit now, but it has uh, this this glossary has um, uh, all, all the information on the sort of terms used and and, and encapsulates some of the important uh, principles that we've talked about. So have a flick through this. It is useful. Um, there are other more um, up-to-date glossaries from Health Education England, which I might I might link you to as well. But this is this is a, a still a very useful document. So, what's the the, the sort of challenges that we're we're going to face um, across the, the European region, but also across uh, the globe? So, some of the big problems um, coming our way is um, we're still. Uh, <laughs> recovering really from the economic uh, crash in 2009 um, and also now we've we're just you know, in, in the midst of a global pandemic um, which has also had you know enormous economic and health uh, consequences so there's big challenges there um, we'll come to this in 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 the um, the following lectures but we have widening inequalities in health so that not only is the gap between the rich and poor uh, in terms of uh, income and wealth, widening but the, the gaps between um, the rich and poor in terms of health is also widening uh, we've got an aging population people are living longer um, in in the developed world people are having less children we've got an aging population how do we deal with that with people more people um, having suffering potentially from more chronic disease and how can we um, help those people who are currently still young um, live healthier lives so that they suffer from less from chronic disease as they age um, we have increasing um, urbanization we, we talked about this you know public health was born in cities and more and more people are moving to urban areas and to cities and that has its own challenges and of course we have um, you know we are running out of time um, in terms of you know, how we um, 
we grow our economies without um, uh, you know, churn, you know, burning through the world's resources and we have this uh, climate crisis. So there are many, many challenges um, that we face in terms of health and um, the climate. And as I say, in, in year three, we will look at how these things link together uh, very strongly. So um, this kind of concludes our uh, on-demand lecture. So you can you can you know, watch this back any time, um, and if there are any issues that you're kind of still a bit hazy on, you can we can pick that up in the in the next lecture and, and chat about it when we kind of re review things at the, at the start of the lecture. So this is the task. This is the task for you guys to think about. So <clears throat> this is a hypothetical health threat, but it's a it's a good way to try and think creatively about how you might apply those five action areas. So imagine, okay, imagine um, there was suddenly rapidly emerging evidence that electromagnetic fields, so the kind of, you know, the things that your phone pumps out and the Wi-Fi pumps out, suddenly we realized that this um, significantly increases cancer rates, okay, and the children are really at risk, okay, because, you know, they have, I don't know, thinner skulls and they, they, their, their brains absorb more of the, the EMF, okay. So imagine there's, there's this, this sudden this sudden health threat, and if, think about Wi-Fi and mobile technology. You know, electromagnetic fields are absolutely everywhere. You know, your phone's in your pocket, you've got Wi-Fi at home, and even if you turn your Wi-Fi off at home, your neighbour's Wi-Fi is is hitting you, and you you walk through the city centre, and you know, you're bombarded by you know kind of Wi-Fi zones, and in, even at the university and in schools. You know, it's it's everywhere in public places and private places. But think about it. You know, you probably can <laughs> remember a world without you know, you know, connected technology. You guys, most of you guys, are, are quite young, and this is this is now woven into our everyday life. How we do business, how the economy operates, how we communicate, okay, how we learn. Uh, so our, our reliance on you know wireless technologies, information technologies is you know it's it's immense um so click on the link read the description of the five uh, uh, action areas in a bit more detail okay so imagine you are part of a public health team working from the for the who what recommendations would you make in the five action areas to reduce people's exposure to electromagnetic fields okay so how would you what public policy would you write how would you create supportive environments? How would you strengthen community action? How would you build personal skills and knowledge about this? And how would you reorient health services? So what it might be, uh, you can think creatively about this. This is just a, an exercise. You can, uh, and there's been some, in the past, there's been some wonderful suggestions about you know, what people would, would do. Um, think about those examples of, um, you know, on smoking policy, that might give you some ideas of what you would do. So you might want to, to work on this as an individual, you might want to work um, on this as a, as, a, as a small group, that's up to you. Um, so use the class blog, um, think about you know, what you would do, type up some answers, um, and also think about what barriers you m might encounter. If suddenly, you know, we, we've got to change the world to, um, you know, reduce um, exposure to EMF. Um, again, you know, with COVID, we've had to change the way we live and there's been lots of kind of um, negative reaction to that. 
even though it was to, to kind of save lives. So consider that. So that's the task to work on. Um, so post your answers up onto the on, onto the class blog, and then we'll have a discussion uh, on, on some of the, the great ideas that you come up with in the le next lecture. So thanks for your attention, guys, and I'll see you next week.